I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here, so much more importantly, the author of 15 books, including Before the Alamo, which is her latest. It is a must uh, read and it's a must get. Uh, all of her books are, and she was the subject of a long, extensive radio series uh, prior to uh, becoming our own host and uh, for a podcast and uh, radio show that you can hear on 124 different outlets and counting, and she's the subject of a documentary. Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg is our host each and every week, and I'm proud to be her co-host, co-pilot, Frank McKay here, much more importantly. Dr. Weinberg, how are you? I'm doing very well and very anxious to hear about your experiences, because I know you have been to uh, to the Ukraine and uh, and uh, around in Europe as well. So I, I would really like to hear more about that. Yeah, well, I, I was. I, I spent uh, parts of five days in the Ukraine itself, going in and out of borders, and mostly the rural areas. And uh, I think when we spoke last time, uh, had I already been when we spoke last Yes, time? you were there. Yeah, I was there. You know, that was only it was only a week ago. I get wow, well, yeah, oh, so sure. I I was I was definitely there, and I you got to stop me if I'm repeating myself. I've I've uh, you know I've, I've done so many different shows and uh, and all kinds of different people, um, uh, you know, calling in and, and, and pardon me if you hear repetition and just forgive me and kind of nudge me, but uh, you know the, the the one thing that I uh, I. I just can't get over is uh, is how sad it is the, the sorrow the amount of sorrow that is going on there and and I was able at at one point I was able to go in and out at will uh keep in mind no one's blocking the border it's not like you know they're saying build a wall uh, around Ukraine keep people out they don't have the resources they don't have the manpower to block the borders uh, what they have is they have several crossings. I, I think I was only stamped three times going into the Ukraine. And the uh, the the trick that the rental car companies um, do to keep you out of Belarus, which uh, was is close to the the borders Poland too, and um, the Ukraine is that they they only give you copies of your your title and your uh, whatever it is the registration for the car and mm -hmm. the insurance. So you can't get over a border crossing unless you have an oh. original. So they do that. Now, what I, I found, I was in this place called Nouveau Sadi, and uh, I think that means New Garden, and it's uh, very rural, uh, and it's the border, uh, I mean, it's the absolute uh, border town of all border towns, um, and, and uh, in the boondocks, no reception, no anything. And you know, when I got there, I went there specifically to get a bed, uh, bed and breakfast in this little cabin, and uh, and they didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't there for me. It took me hours to get there, and it wasn't available when I got there. And, and oh dear! A man named Peter, a uh, nice looking man, young guy, but with a big giant beard, uh, Polish man, and he had a beautiful wife and two young children. One the little boy had real long hair, so I thought it was, they were twin girls. But they, you know, a boy and a girl, and. Uh, very nice, but I was, uh, uh, you know, I needed reception to, to call in to, you know, different shows. And I had a Fox show scheduled for that night. 
and uh and when they told me that they didn't have uh they didn't have a place for me i was i was almost grateful because i had to get reception so i said which way to, which way is the ukraine which way is is poland and he pointed out to to the block he said okay he said it's very simple that house that house that house that house and everything over here is poland he said in that house that house, that house. It's on the same block. I mean, it's literally. He said that's the Ukraine, and if you go in that direction, um, uh, you will you will get towards. Um, and, and I explained. I can't even pronounce uh, the the uh, the the town that I was going near uh, in rural Ukraine, and this is as rural as you can get. Uh, he also warned me that they got all kinds of wildlife there. They have bear, link, uh, lynx, and um, and wolves. And that I uh, that I'm, you know, he said, you know, if you, if you need to get out of the car for any reason, you know, be aware, you know, make make noise, don't sneak up on something. And uh, and, and I was on these roads, and I had no reception. I had, uh, you know, no GPS after a while, and I just kept driving. And uh, my wife, uh, you know, was scared to death because she was calling me, and she she was uh, getting Russian conversations. And she said oh my. she believed they were Russian and not Ukrainian because uh, she was matching them up afterwards. And she said she was ready to call the con- uh, consulate at one point because I had been she completely out of touch for, um, for, for hours and hours and hours. And uh, and then other times she called, she got a machine, you know, like a, uh, uh, you know, a Russian message, that, you know. So. Mm-hmm. so at one point and, and I mix up my days here. But it was on the Ukrainian side. I didn't realize how deep I was in. Uh, I had pulled over the car, and I just had to sleep. I just, I, I had no idea where I was going, and my head was, uh, uh, my head was swimming. So I just pulled up uh, over on the side. It was the woods. I, I kept, uh, I kept my car running, and I kept the, uh, the lights on, and I, uh, and I just fell asleep for a little while. When I woke mm-hmm. up. I, I, if I told you the story, feel free to stop me. But I woke up with a slap of the hood. Do you? Did I mention this to you? Somebody, no. Somebody slapped my hood, uh, not aggressively, but you know, loud enough where it woke me up. And I had my press passes on the on the uh, dashboard, and I had uh, press passes around my neck, and I had a press vest on, uh, just to let everyone know I'm, you know, I'm not trouble. I'm, I'm press. And, and I opened my eyes, and in front of me are about 15 soldiers. And Ooh. I looked in the rearview mirror, and there's another 12 to 20 coming Ooh. that way. So I couldn't, I, I couldn't differentiate. And for about 30 seconds, which is an eternity, uh, I thought they were Russian troops. So finally somebody smacked his knuckle, uh, not too aggressively, but on my window. And I'm trying to think, uh, you know, like, what am I going to say to the Russians? Um, you know, I, I, you know, I just got to talk my way out of this thing. And then I saw the little Ukraine flag on his on his thing. And, and he didn't speak any English. And I said, uh, I, I said, officer, do you have a um, uh, someone who speaks English? And he called somebody over and the guy said, uh, what are you doing here? And I, I said, well, I'm a journalist. And he said, no, no, I know. But what are you are you going? Why are you going in this direction? Did you hear? hear something and you're following and i said no i said i'm lost and i want to get to the polish border and he said polish border 
He said, you're, you're not that close to the Polish border. And I said, uh, I said, can you point me in the direction? He said, well, don't go where we are going. He said, go there or there. And he's pointing to Woods. And, uh, and, and the first time, the first place where he pointed were to Woods. And I said, I, that's just Woods, right? He said, if you, he said, there's a little path there. And if you go down, take it slowly. It's a little incline. And it's you know heavy, broken English. And he said, you'll, you'll come upon a road. And go right and just keep going, and eventually you'll get to the the Polish border. I said, "How far away?" And he says, um, thirty. Uh, oh no, I think he said forty uh, kilometers. You know, uh, kilometers. And uh, and I'm like, "Oh my God, you got to be kidding!" So uh, none of them had helmets on, so I assume that they weren't walking into some kind of battle. They must have had yeah. intelligence that they they had hats on and they had masks on, and it was freezing out there and, mm. you know you can see the smoke coming out of them you know the the, the breath coming out of them yeah so i thought i went down through these woods and i got onto that little that little road there and i just kept going and eventually i got to uh i got to poland but uh, that to me and i don't want to sound like a coward but wow was i i i was scared stiff uh i thought it was russians and you know god knows what their treatment would have been and uh, the only way i knew i was in poland was by the uh by the activity and um and and i ended up sleep, sleeping in a little uh in a one little cot um uh, over a bar and uh and yeah and, and that was that night and i think the, the night after uh the, the i stayed in the same place but it was just it was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable experience. I didn't see any Russians. I didn't see any bombings. Um, I I missed a bombing, thank God, uh, by seven hours, I think in 13 minutes or 18 minutes, they bombed the heck out of a place that I was exactly in. I was exactly in, and it was all, very close to the Polish border, and I I, I started getting texts from, from everyone, including my wife, that I didn't get to later, and uh, they were talking that there because I guess she knew that I was going to be in that general area. And I think mm -hmm. the reason they bombed it was because the the Polish troops gave the uh, Ukraine probably some of the guys that that I saw pass by. That that's probably why they were there were, were to get um, supplies from from the Polish side. But the yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I, I found out. I found out later when I got on back on the Polish side, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, again, I think it was seven hours and 13 minutes. Um, and everybody was talking about it. the whole mood in, uh, in this Polish village, uh, changed from, from where I saw it the day before. Yeah. Right. So I was there the day before and, uh, and the day of the bombing. Um, but the whole, the whole feel of the place changed. Everything changed. really unbelievable. Mm. Yes, well, that's amazing. Did you have trouble finding a place to sleep that night? Yeah, well, not not that night because I think I had it was cheap enough where I just kept the room just in case, and just uh -huh. so I had a home base. I did that twice, actually. One time I ended up with two <laughs> two hotels, and uh, and I just ended up staying. Uh, um, Zhezhev is the, and if you looked at the spelling, you'd never believe it's Zhezhev. But in Zhezhev, I had two, um, I, I had two dwellings in one night, and one I just didn't get to, and and I just figured just so I'd have something just in case. Mm -hmm. and, and the other one was uh, was closer. It was closer to the border, 
but um yeah it was it was difficult that was a difficult thing but the poignant thing and i got a lot of video and i'm doing a documentary of course proceeds going to the the, the refugee situation uh but i'm i'm going to do a documentary on on all the interviews that i have and it's mostly um uh, you know refugee uh you know mm-hmm. conversation very sad very uh, whatever, but there was one piece I thought I wish I would have gotten when I was going into this place. It was above a bar and a bar restaurant, and it's just it's so stereotypical of of what you would think of a, a small European uh, place. No TV, no uh, no microwave, just a very dimly lit lit room with a cot, very clean, and it was warm, which I was very grateful because it was freezing there. But there yeah. was <clears throat> there was of a course. college bar underneath there that I didn't know was there and the kids were out and they looked like nice kids clean cut kids but they were drinking and they had just heard about the bombing and they were rambunctious maybe because they're the age that would be you know end up fighting these are Polish kids and they were like fighting with each they were actually yelling at they were they were being a little obnoxious and I had equipment so I wanted to wait it out I didn't want to walk out until these kids got in so and they came out to smoke so when they went back in I I snuck into you know to my uh, my hotel or whatever you call it bed and breakfast whatever it was, and and I snuck past them. Then at one point, it must have been on the jukebox, a song by REM, and, and I, I and I I wish I I would have just braved it out and went down there and videotaped uh, it. But um, it's called it's the end of the world and we know it. And they, if you uh-huh. ever heard that song, and they were singing it, and I I assume tongue in cheek. And it sounded like the whole bar downstairs was uh, singing it, and it would have been something. It would have been some piece of work. And the the bartender slash innkeeper upstairs said, "Do not go down there." And and pardon the language. Well, I won't say the word, but he said they're little essers. You know, he's speaking in broken English, and he said when they get drunk, they, you know, they're they're amateurs and they're you know whatever. And he's saying things like that. But he's saying it's you, you'll get into a fight down there if you go down with a camera. So I didn't. Well. <laughs> anyway, so I didn't mean to ramble on like that, but I, it just, uh, to me, just an unbelievable experience, and uh, uh, it just every little step of it was crazy. You know, I was on with, uh, I don't know if you know Dr. Deepak Chopra. Uh, he's a self-help yes. author. I, I had him on an interview. It was a scheduled interview with him, and I, I snuck onto it, and, and I was going into Denmark. Uh, just I just had to get out of Germany. That's a long story, um, but I was going into Denmark to try to to try to find a flight out. So I was on this train, and they just kicked off the Denmark police and the soldiers just kicked off this group of Russian kids, and uh, and they didn't do it. You know, they didn't do it so kindly. They were they were you know very matter of fact about it, and they brought bomb sniffing dogs on, and and at that time Chopra calls. It's bizarre. I talked about it after, you know, his promoter called and and <laughs> had me on. I'm sitting on the floor of this train with dogs walking by me. The soldiers being kind, they know that I'm doing an interview, and it's Deepak Chopra of all people on the other. So he's promoting a book, and uh, and, and you know, I I say something after he hung up. You know, I explained what's going on there, but uh, they did this in the response to the to the Russian kids, and. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they were any threat, to be honest with you. But they, they, uh, they, there's just no patience for the Russians from any of these surrounding countries. Anyway, I, I, I apologize once again for running on, but I, I thought it was worth noting. 
Well, that's important to know. The attitude towards the Russians themselves uh, is hostile uh, and suspicious. Uh, and, uh, uh, of course, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect that because the, the people in Russia are not necessarily uh, aggressive towards uh, the Ukraine. So... Um, uh, so uh, it, this is Denmark, though. every every detail that you have to tell me is interesting yeah. because it tells me that the Europeans are very, very angry ab- about this aggression. It's a powder keg. I mean, it's it's really a powder keg. And uh, they they see it differently than we're reporting it here. And uh, they're they're very matter of fact about what's what's going on. Um, they think uh, Moldova is next, you know, because it's it's in a similar situation as um, uh, as the Ukraine. They're not they're not NATO members, and uh, and Putin uh, has some you know uh, rationale where he could uh, where he could take over that. Uh, so a lot of them keep saying, I might have repeat you know I might be repeating myself here, but one theme is all eyes on Odessa. And Odessa is a city in the Ukraine, and and the reason they're saying that is because they think that if if the Russians <laughs> take over Odessa, that they'll just march right through and take over Moldova. So Moldova uh, has a, a million and a half people out of them uh, out, out of that little country so far, and I don't know if that's being reported, but they're they're expecting to be invaded next. And yes, yes, that it has been reported. Right. Odessa is is a key location for them, and they want to take over the entire uh, seacoast down there so that they can uh, cut uh, Ukraine off from any kind of supplies, especially weapons. And uh, that's what I hear anyway. Yeah, it it would make sense uh, there. Um, By the way, I was going to head into Belarus uh, just to see the Russian side because they're launching from that side, and I was very close to it. Uh, you know, on the Polish border, Polish-Ukraine border, Belarus was, uh, you know, very, you know, a very it was a skip and a jump, um, hop, skip and a jump away. And uh, I, I got friendly with some of the Polish troops there, and you know, we were on first name basis with with some of these guys. And I did interviews. You know, I, I was doing all these reports on on radios so every day. I did. Um, you know, well, 6.30 in the morning, whatever that is, uh, um, seven hours ahead, but 6.30 in the morning in New York and and 12.30 in the afternoon on the same stations. And then I did some mm-hmm. overnight. But I ended up doing some uh, some in front of the, the Polish troops. And one of the things that I said, and this is um, this is what they, they had noticed. They were saying this and other people were saying this, that this nightmare that many, many people – repeat the same line that the the nightmare ends only with the death of Putin and that it would mm-hmm. have to be somebody close to Putin and somebody that he trusts but that he won't stop he's you know he's dead set on on you know reconstructing the the Soviet Union and uh and and it won't end until the death of Putin so mm-hmm. very wide and he's a captain or the equivalent to a captain in the uh in the in the Polish uh ground forces uh, which is their army um he said to me, uh, he said, Frank, 
do not go to Belarus under any circumstances. He said it's, it literally means little Russia. I don't know if it does mean that, but he said it means little Russia. They're launching from there. But he said, let me just explain. He said, I heard you doing interviews and you're coming up as, as a press person and they may very well listen to interviews that you're doing. And if they hear you saying, just even if you're, you're saying that other people are saying it, that it only ends with the death of Putin, they, they could hold you and say that you're encouraging the assassination of the leader. Or, I, I, you know, it was, it was a little, the way he worded it was different, but this was the general feeling. And he said, you may never get out of Belarus. He said, do not go to uh-huh. Belarus. Uh, oh, said, that was a, a timely warning, yes. Yeah. He said that yeah. they are holding they are holding journalists and, and so forth. But anyway, go on. I'm sorry to... Uh, sorry to ramble there, but I thought it was important, and so I, I never went near Belarus. So uh, you didn't go ahead and try to get into Belarus after that? No, he he scared me off of it, and other people suggested it, and and it would have been very easy to hear me say that if they listened to any of my reports. So and then and when you scan my press pass, it goes right to I, I didn't even think of this beforehand, but it goes right to. Um, a page that has, uh, you know, one of the stations anyway, and it goes right to their latest show that I had because they kept up. Mm-hmm. And one of the Florida stations uh, came up on the same thing. And and it would be very easy for them to, to hear me say that. And, and by the way, yeah. I was reporting it back. I wasn't saying, hey, somebody killed Putin, but it might have come across like that. So, yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Any discussion? of that issue it's it's like putin saying uh, that nobody can use the word war <laughs> i mean it's it's obvious <laughs> the thought of of some close friend quote unquote friends uh of putin's assassinating him has certainly crossed my mind uh because it's pretty clear that it's, he is a stubborn uh, uh monomaniac uh, and he is not going to stop destroying Ukraine until Ukraine is destroyed. Uh, and he can take over the rubble then and claim that Ukraine destroyed itself, which is the line he's using, yeah. uh, which is incredible. But apparently many Russians do believe that. Yeah, it, it's just it, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing what's going on. Uh, high tension with the Belarusians. I think that some people call them Belarusians. I don't know if that's uh, that's proper, but that people were saying that there. I don't know if it was tongue in cheek, but several of them called them Belarusians. And yes, uh, and and one man was telling me that Belarus literally means little Russia. And yes, uh, it, it does. Is that true? Uh, well, I'm I know no no Russian, so I can't vouch for that. It just seems. Uh, Belarus, I mean, Rus is obviously short for R- Russia, uh, and Bella uh, sounds like beautiful Russia right. to me, but... <laughs> At least in Italian, right? Bella is, is Italian, but yeah, you're right. Bella might be beautiful Russia, maybe. Right, it's, it's interesting. Um, but anyway, uh, it, you know, I, I saw... I never saw Russian troops. I never saw, um, uh, you know, uh, fighting, like war fighting. But I saw at the the train station in, oh boy, uh, I, I had the name. Uh, you know, it, this is right on the border, uh, Polish uh, Polish side, another border town, and uh, and there was 
police action and army action going on, and uh, it and it looked like war was breaking out. And I was reporting. I was doing the six thirty in the morning uh, show uh, on Long Island uh, for the mm-hmm. uh, Jay Oliver, and and I was reporting live what I was seeing, and I was trying to follow what was going on. And uh, and they were they were an all in all out military, uh, you know, mode going after uh, going after someone. And then I I got over to I went around to where I thought it was. And then at the airport at the same not not the airport, the train station at the same time, there was a long uh, line of there was a long line of um, refugees, tremendously long line of refugees and the police, the Polish police. Um, were were arresting this one one individual, and let me tell you, they I'm on the Polish side, but boy, they were rough with this guy, and I mean, they were really really rough with him, mm. and and I I got far away footage, but it's it's very it's it, it's you can't even tell what's going on, but um, <coughs> they I what I found out later is that three uh, people from Bel- Belarus na- nationals. Um, got into an argument, like it's mm. like a political law, almost like at a football game or you know fans fighting that, that type of thing. Um, with some of the people on the line, I don't know if they were mocking them or if they were whatever. And and again, obviously the the polls are very biased against the uh, the the Belarusians, right? Uh, or the Belarusians, and uh, and they. Um, they said that they were they were pushing older people and they pushed this old lady down. It sounded very biased what they were saying, but there were three of them. So I think the, the mm-hmm. military activity that I saw were, uh, was the the military chasing down one or two of the other guys and they dispersed from where they were. And this guy stayed near the train station and they grabbed him and they they roughed him up. So I I, I think what I saw was that it was like it, like an argument turned uh, whatever. But I I'll I'll tell you I. I left that radio show saying that this is a powder keg and uh and in th- there's serious tension between the the poles and, and the the Belarus nationals. Yes. Mhm. Right. Wow. <laughs> you you saw a lot of raw stuff going on. Uh and of course the uh, the refugees themselves are uh uh well, how can I say they they're very emo- emotionally imp- impactful uh on you i mean you you felt the misery and sorrow of those people who had to leave everything, including their own husbands uh, in order to get out so it was mainly women and children and uh, you told me the last time uh when we you uh you were already over there and had just you had just arrived. You were in Yash, uh, Romania, I believe, at yep. the time, yep. and you were you were saying that they were coming across weeping, and it it hit you so hard that you had to seclude yourself for ten minutes while you yourself wept. Yeah, it was. I think it was more like fifteen or twenty, to be honest with you. I, I went behind a truck as soon as I got there, and I just, I I could I wept uncontrollably. I can believe it. And, and I liken it to, you know, like going to hundreds of wakes of people you don't know, just one after the other. It's, I, I just, what a, you know, what an unbelievable sadness. And shame on me for, for not understanding how 
uh, how sorrowful this would be. It, it's terrible. Uh, what a what a terrible moment in history where uh, we're experiencing. I, I kept going to the tent towns, and and I was treated very you know, like a, a you know a, a, an honored guest when whenever I got there. I mean, people would be very. Um, you know, they would you know, run up to me with food or, or whatever. But um, a couple that I, uh, I ran into at the airport and I, I brought them to an air. I led them to an uh, to a train station, uh, a guy named Kevin and Courtney. They're from South Dakota. Um, and they ended up uh, spending, you know, the, the, they spent six thousand hours of their own money to fly out at the last minute to uh, to go. And, and they clean toilets. They, uh, uh, you know, there's no you know, like uh, restrictions on, on what you can do as a volunteer and there's no guidelines. It's like, uh, here, help help pass out food. Here, do this. And they, they ended up cleaning out toilets because they were, you know, just filthy. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, these are two uh, business owners. And one owns a funeral. Kevin, the, the husband, owned funeral parlor. And she owns a sport bar, a sports bar. And uh, and what they would they were actually working inside already at that point when the chaos was going outside the guy was the the guy from Belarus was getting roughed up. I asked them. I said, "Did you did you see the commotion outside?" He said, "We we heard. Th- they said that there was somebody was getting arrested." And I said, uh, "I said, yeah, <laughs> I was getting arrested." But I said it was, and they said we we really couldn't tell, but just somebody we just heard somebody talking about it. But you know uh, where? And and by the way, they might have been a thousand feet away, but they were inside, like this this certain part of the station, these old brick stations. But it, <laughs> yeah, it just it it blew me away. Uh, the different world, just a, a, a thousand feet away, separated by a building, and um, and and what was going on outside, and the crowd seemed to be cheering on the police to you know to to get these guys from from Belarus, and, and you know you kind of feel bad for them, but um, you know some somebody said, uh, oh I, I I don't know if I um if I told you this, but I have a habit of uh, of putting my empty um uh you know uh, uh plastic bottles on the on the passenger seat um you know below and then when i see a recyclable place i i take them out and i i i throw them out and i was in uh, you know i i got to know some of the cops and the uh and the soldiers uh, on uh, on this other border town and i just noticed a recyclable bin it, it's crazy i i just wasn't thinking and i i gathered up my my bottles, you know, I threw them in a bag, and with my car running, knowing that these guys were there, I went and I emptied my, uh, I emptied my, uh, my, my recyclables in this thing, and then one guy yelled out at me, and they all laughed, and uh, and I said to the guy that you know spoke the best English, I, that I, I was I was talking to him a lot. He said, um, he, he was in the Polish uh, army. I said, uh, I said, what did he say? He said, oh, he's just teasing with you, Frank. I said, yeah, that's okay, but what was it? He said, uh, he, he said, he said, good for you. We too are worried about the earth. Uh-huh. So you know, like, in, uh, well, in other words, like they, they were mocking me that I was worried about recycling when they're they're yeah. worried about the earth <laughs> blowing up. You know, here I am worried about plastic or whatever. And and I, I I laughed and I said, yeah, I'll never make that mistake again. Not in front of the soldiers. Not in front of the. You know, I, I, you know, I'm not going to look like you know. That's an American habit, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I just you know, it was another. I, I guess that was the other funny moment, you know. And uh, it was a- yes, right.
uh, under those dire circumstances, you were still uh, still caring about the environment. <laughs> that was, I shouldn't. Have, you know, not at that. Not in front of everybody, anyway. <laughs> and they found that amusing. Yeah. Uh, I find that admirable myself. <laughs> Oh my! Well, what uh, you were in Germany in uh, in Hamburg? Uh, what was the attitude of the Germans to all of this? Um, uh, le- certainly less uh, uh, opening to uh, less open. To, uh, not I don't want to say they were they were not helpful, but I went to Hamburg and I had heard about a refugee center that was supposed to be tremendous, and it was nothing when I got there. There was a couple of people there. And, um, and it was it was a I, you know it was a waste of uh, waste of time and I thought I was going to go there and film and and get whatever but it was it was not what it was supposed to be and then I went to a second one and that was a wild goose chase. Um, what what happened in Hamburg was uh, there was a, there was a strike somewhere in Germany and it was only one or two days but it had to do with the security workers and it was in some you know, some airport somewhere in Germany, and they all walked out uh, in, a, in a sign of al- uh, solidarity, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the security workers. So I was, uh, I was supposed to get a flight um, home. I think I was, oh, no, I, uh, that's, oh, yeah, I was going to go home because I got talked out of Belarus. Um, and when I got, uh, it, when, when I got to, uh, to Hamburg, I'm in this chaotic situation where, it's packed. I mean, it is just packed with people. And I guess between, so you don't know who's refugee, who's not. The uh, COVID is a very serious thing to the Germans. They all, you know, uh, some places uh, nobody cares about masks, but in Germany, everybody cares about masks. Everybody. Uh-huh. Uh, well, they're all over masks, and they must, you know, have a have a difficult situation there. And anyway, so it was this gigantic long, and I had no idea what was going on. And, and I, I just assumed it was refugees. And they said, no, um, they canceled all the flights except, you know, a couple. And if you have, you know, look up there to see if you flight. And they told me about the strike. So the strike happened. And they said, no, the strike is actually over now. But this is the this is the aftermath of the strike. Uh-huh. And then when I got up to um, when I got up there, they said that I needed a, a COVID test. Uh, and, uh, you know, I needed a COVID test to leave. I had my vaccination and I was showing them my paperwork. So I was going to miss this flight. Oh, I was, I was, oh, I was heading to, at that point I was heading to, uh, uh, Helsinki as a, as a stopover and then to, uh, what's Sweden, Stockholm, Sweden. And I was going to see what was going on up there and try to, uh, you know, try to circle, you know, get to the top of it. And I, and there was no way I was going to make that flight. So I jumped on a, uh, on a train at that point. I didn't take the COVID mm-hmm. test and I got to Amsterdam and, uh, I ended up flying to Dublin. I had to take the test anyway. I had to uh, take a rapid test and I, I ended up flying to Dublin and Dublin home. So all together, uh, 12, if you count America, 12 countries in the last 15 days. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well, yes, you certainly have tons of material <laughs> to report on. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, what else? What else were you worried? What What else were you uh, uh, wondering about? You know that you're not getting from the press that maybe somebody on the ground 
like I was. At, uh, and again, keep in mind, I wasn't in the major cities. I was purposely not in the major cities. I didn't have any protection to get there. I didn't have any invitation to be embedded or anything like that. So I was in the rural areas. But uh, I mean, is there anything else that that you think I can answer that that you're not getting from the, the media? Well, of course, I'm curious about uh, whether you saw any refugees from the east, uh, from Mariupol or, or any of the eastern uh, towns, uh, and got any information from those people, if you did see any. Yeah, I did, uh, you know, and, and Mariupol uh, came up uh, not as much as uh, Kiev and, and not as much as Odessa, yeah. um, uh, but... Uh, you know, one thing you know, I'll mention about Kiev, and if I told you this, forgive me, but uh, I have this, and I have a long interview with this woman. Her name was Julia. She had a young daughter, 12-year-old daughter, and a, and a little dog named, uh, uh, named Lady. And um, they left from Kiev uh, the day before I spoke to them, and they were escorted out by Russians, by Russian troops, mm. in the capital of Kiev. And and they were, you know, they were treated, and she hated the Russians. She spit on the ground when she heard Russians, and she blames the Russians. She said they have all have blood on their hands, and, all, you know, she was very bitter. But she left. Uh, they, they were escorted out by Russian troops, which made me think, you know, that, you know, Russians are in control of Kiev. I mean, if they're escorting people out, and I, and I don't think they're doing it to be nice. I think they're, they're doing it so they can pulverize the men that are left behind, and they want to get as many civilians out. They're just getting in the way. But they left with her, her elderly parents, um, her sister— and uh, another couple in, in a car, and they drove 20 miles from Kiev, not, not 20 miles, 20 hours from Kiev to this Polish border town, and I can't remember which one, uh, which one it was. Uh, uh, you know, I have it on, on videotape. Uh, she, uh, you know, we have all that information. But, uh, and they crossed over the border, uh, I think, the day before uh, or the night before that I was speaking to her. And one of the saddest things that, that she said um, was that uh, she's glad it'll be over in a couple of days. And I didn't feel it was my right to, or my responsibility to tell her, uh, you know, are you kidding? It's not going to be over in a couple of days. This is, you know, whatever. And she said to my husband, um, you know, he's going to fight and, and we'll see him in a couple of days. And um, yeah, and I, um, yeah, I just, I, I, you know, I was getting choked up there, but I, I, uh, I kind of went along with what she was saying rather than, Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, it gave her hope. But of course, it's not going to be over in a couple of days or a couple of weeks, I'm afraid. Uh, It's going to be a long, long time. And much of uh, Ukraine is going to be destroyed in the meantime with the uh, long range uh, artillery and bombing. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, had you heard that the Russians are taking people from Mariupol and elsewhere and taking them into Russia against their will? Yeah, well, I didn't hear Mariupol um, for uh, – I, I didn't hear it, that specifically, but I heard that Russians are kidnapping. That's how, yeah. how they're wording it, that they're kidnapping in broken English uh, many residents and they're taking them hostage. And uh, mm-hmm. and and that was a theme from uh, from a lot of different people, and they said it's not being reported. 
and uh, but that they're taking civilians, you know, civilians uh, in as, yes. as hostages. And I thought to myself, I, I didn't know what to think, you know, maybe, you know, that uh, they think these civilians have some uh, informational value. Uh, and the other the other thing is that uh, uh, maybe uh, for exchanges, you know, if uh, maybe they exchange uh, do prisoner exchanges, which which we know they're doing, because I think the mayor of one of the towns was given away, uh, you know, given back for nine um, nine Russians um, for the one mayor. You know, I think they did. Oh, they got him back. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. This was. Yeah, I knew that he'd been kidnapped, but I had no idea he was back. That's that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that is good. I, you know, I worry about uh, you know the the Kiev situation, the fact that the the Russians were escorting them out. Uh, by the way, they didn't see another Russian in the twenty hour journey to the border. I mean, think of how long twenty hours is driving. You know, you can get across Texas in 20 hours. Right? I mean, I don't know about <laughs> but you, but, uh, but 20 hours from Kiev to this border, and they didn't see a single Russian once they were escorted out by the Russian army. Uh-huh. That, is, that is something we have not heard about, yeah. that the Russians are, are helping, helping refugees get out. Uh, we do hear that uh, refugee convoys have been and are being sh- uh, fired upon, that uh, the, especially the, from uh, Mariupol, that they uh, 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 set up this corridor, and so uh, a convoy of cars got uh, all set to go, and they got out in the country, I think, and then they were fired upon. Uh, so uh, the whole thing is very inconsistent. I think it probably depends on who's the commanding officer. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty chaotic. And uh, and if, as you say, you you can't always believe what you hear, because uh, in a war situation like that, where you don't have any uh, available uh, communication official communication that you can trust. Uh, It's just word of mouth. And so I think people's imaginations can go wild and you can hear things that are absolutely not true. But on the other hand, (laughs) you can get very good information too. So it's a (laughs) crapshoot. You know, know, there's this, there was this one instance that, uh, that I, I very much appreciate. It was a, um, I, I thought he was going to scold me, but it, it was a uh, um, like the commanding, you know, the current commanding officer of of a group of um, uh, Ukrainian soldiers. Uh, he came over to me, and um, and and he, he started talking to me, and he said, uh, "My friend uh, had a talk with you uh, two days ago," and I said, yeah. uh, "Your friend? Who's your, you know, who's your friend?" And then he explained where it was, and I said, "That's like three hours back." Right. Isn't that like three hours back? And he says, yeah, yeah. But I guess, you know, I don't know how how much ground these guys are covering. So three hours could could be, you know, they're, you know, they're traveling faster than me or they're traveling, you know, constantly back and forth. So I was wondering, like I, what he was going to say to me. He said uh, he, he said, you know, he um, he told you not to take film of the uh, of the soldiers. I said, yeah, I, I, I won't. I promise. He said, no. He said, but I want to explain. He said, that man and me, 
we we have seven years of and and again heavy broken English, right? He's saying he's saying this, and he said we have seven years of training, uh, um, uh, military training. He said I have five people here that two weeks ago have never seen a gun, right? I've mm-hmm. never held a gun, and uh, he said they're just uh, business people or they're whatever. So my friend who spoke to you and he said you thought maybe. Uh, he was upset with you. Um, every one of his troops, every and and he 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 patted his hand like he's patting uh, like an invisible dog. I, I don't know why, yeah. but he said every one of his men, every one of his men, are brand new, no training. He says, and that's why one of the reasons he's it, like in the boondocks is what he's saying. Why he's in the middle of nowhere is that they're, uh-huh. they're learning. He out there, he said. But he mm-hmm. said to you, uh, and and uh, he said he didn't explain to you, but he said to you uh, that he doesn't want you taking uh, the uh, the video, you know, or whatever the the, the pictures. He says I I want to explain why. He said me and him seven years, um, you know, we have training and we know to look first. He said when you're holding your camera. And, and and again, I don't know exact words. Uh, he said the the new people, they don't know what you're doing, and you could be harming them. You in, in other words, he, it could be a gun, it could be a launcher. He said, uh, I said, oh no, kid. he said yes, and he is uh, he's got uh, nerves, and they they've got nerves, and he's trying to keep their nerves calm or whatever. What he was saying to me is that that he was trying to do that for my own protection, that, to, to tell me not, because the guy was adamant about, he, he just didn't explain it like this guy did, why he did not want me pointing my camera at them. He, he did, well, what he, what he was saying is that he, did, that he doesn't want to take video. So I'm thinking they didn't want me to take video because maybe their positions would be or their, uh, or their identities or something, you know, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that at all. And I really appreciated this guy telling me this. Uh, he and, and he gave me an ex- he didn't owe me an explanation, uh, but the fact that he knew it was me and that his friend he knew that his friend talked to me uh, indicates first of all that there's not a lot of journalists that they are, that are coming in there right there's not a lot of uh, people uh, because he identified me immediately there was no confusing mm-hmm. me with with anyone and there was no confusing his his friend and who his friend spoke to you know and, and the dialogue that was going on and then secondly uh, how candid. And how open uh, a conversation is that, uh, you know, where I here I am thinking I'm going to get scolded. It was anything but a scolding. It was an explanation, almost not an apology, but a, 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 a pure explanation. Yes, I mean, that was that was remarkable. Uh, and I think, of course, you were kind of off the beaten track because you had your own transportation. You could go where you wanted. And uh, so you got yourself out into the in the boondocks, and therefore, <laughs> therefore people, uh, it wasn't as crowded. The the uh, city uh, uh, train stations, for instance, um, and uh, so you could be easily identified, and uh, and people could actually talk frankly to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, so I think you were lucky because you had a unique experience. We don't hear. Uh, what's happening on the boonie, in the boonies? Um, uh, and that the uh, you can cross back and forth across the border without uh, 
all kinds of formalities and uh, being stopped by officials and so on and so forth. So you were uh, you were very lucky in having uh, uh, having decided to uh, rent a car and do your own thing. Yeah. So I'm full of admiration, Frank. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you know, a, a couple of the points I should uh, I should make uh, is that while I'm driving, and now when I say the boonies, I mean uh, you know also suburbia, uh, and they have these little deli- delicatessen. Um, it, it's uh, you know almost looks like a franchise, but they're they're I, I don't know how to describe the the little uh, sh- um, uh, shopping stores. They're little like grocery stores. Uh, on the on the Ukraine side, it was like barren. You know, everything was barren. I asked a guy if I could take video of it. He said, "Not, not in this condition." He said, "I don't want." Uh, and I said, "Well, it might be good to tell the story." He said, "No, no." He said, "Not." He said, "It's terrible." He said, "I I gave most of my stuff away. You know, uh, to uh, uh, you know troops and everything else." And and you know, he told me twice no, and I I didn't push it, but. Um, uh, on the other side, on the Polish side, it was fully stocked. You know, the same type of thing, and it, it almost it almost looked like a franchise. You know, just ones on the Ukrainian side, ones on the Polish side. But as I'm driving down some of these, you know, and, and this is at night when I'm driving down, I and I'm pretty sure I have some decent footage. I was kind of driving along, um, but like these suburban blocks, uh, this was Twilight Zone, like. Uh, I, I think on this one long block, I saw two lights on, and mm-hmm. and what you saw a lot of one car, uh, one car in the in the driveway. Um, uh, there was so, there was one area that had like carports, and there was like a car underneath uh, a carport. But I, it looks like just about everybody on this whole block just left. I think the first Twilight Zone episode ever was, you know, uh, where did everybody go or something along those lines. And it looked, mm-hmm. and, and I don't mean to chuckle when I say it, but uh, uh, it, it's it's sad. It's it's uh, devastating, actually. But it's like people just left everything. They just yeah. left everything and just took off. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. Uh, and I thought that was a, uh, uh, that's worth mentioning. Uh, because just yes, imagine, definitely. You know what would what would it take for you to you know pick up your cats and 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 just take one car and take it to the take it to the border and then there you're mm-hmm. leaving it at the border. You're not you know you're not allowed to drive over um, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Uh, the other thing, and I just want to make clear about the. I think I only have two or three stamps. Um, you know, like for the and all at the border crossing, and it's all well, all but one. Uh, no, no. Actually, uh, all of all of the stamps were on foot. You know where I got like mm-hmm. my uh, my passport stamps. Everything else was me driving in uh, beyond borders. And people were like, "Well, how do they leave their borders uh, open?" And and it's just like you know, let's say between Texas and and New Mexico or Texas and you know, it's not like you know, build the you know, somebody's yelling, build the wall. Uh, you you mm-hmm. can come into the Ukraine anytime you want. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're a man, it's a little difficult to get out. And uh, and the women, they want to they want to be documented with, with their children. And that's why they're going out through the border crossings. But I was yeah. I was in and out of Ukraine I, 12 times easily. And and officially, it looks like I was in, in and out twice. Mm-hmm. How about that? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, these things. You don't know how to picture them until you actually hear 
um, from people like yourself, if there is anyone else like you, <laughs> which I doubt. <laughs> you were just incredibly uh, uh, daring to do what you did. <laughs> and that encounter with the, the uh, Ukrainian soldiers was also uh, dangerous and fascinating. Uh, and that they told you to go down a little path <laughs> through the woods, and you would find the uh, the road. If you took a right turn there, you'd, you'd find the way to the Polish border. Uh, amazing story. Yeah, uh, yeah just yeah, it, it, crazy. I You know, I felt uh, almost a little you know, incomplete because I didn't see the Russians. I didn't see the other side. I didn't see, you know, and again, I wasn't, you know, I, I, I always say I'm, I'm no cowboy. And when I do my wife and daughter roll their eyes because they think just the opposite. They think I, they think I take these, you know, these chances, you know, these big chances. And they think I am a, <laughs> a cowboy, but I, I was in very rural areas. So the thing is, I don't feel so brave. I, I tried to avoid the fighting. I tried to avoid the, uh, uh, you know, the Russians. Um, you know, I, I, I made a, uh, you know, a couple of little attempts to see if I, I, if I can get contacts to go into Kiev, and uh, and I had no assurances that uh, that anybody was going to uh, take me in when I get there. That that anything was going to. Ha- I mean, that would have been that would have been very daring, and and I just did. Yes, it would yeah. because you would have been. Uh, <clears throat> the the Russians uh, have the city surrounded pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how um, how porous uh, their surround is on the western side. Uh, because you'd be coming in from the west, of course. But uh, I would think it would ex- be extremely dangerous to try to get to Kiev these days, uh, because you might just be shot, uh, at, like the like the Fox uh, reporter was. Yeah, I, I hope they're changing their tune, Fox, because I, someone said they might be because they've lost a couple couple employees now. But they were being they were being pretty cavalier about this war. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it was kind of not, not, not appreciated to be on, you know, by a lot of people, uh, how cavalier Tucker Carlson. And again, I don't want to get into politics on, on this, but I mean, Tucker Carlson, his people called me to interview me to, uh, so I'd report back and, uh, and, and they, they basically, they wanted me to, you know, they basically wanted me to say, you know, Biden, Biden's fault. And he has a narrative. I don't know what it is exactly, Tucker Carlson, but it's nothing like mine. Uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, it, it sounds almost pro-Putin in, uh, in in some ways. And after they talked to me, they, they said, I, I don't even know where they got my number, but they, they knew I was there and uh, they had called. Um, and the Hannity TV people who are different from the Hannity radio people. And, and I only did the, uh, the Hannity radio, I think because I just didn't fit their narrative. And I felt right. that, mm-hmm. uh, that you cheapen the whole situation by somehow saying, you know, that something's, you know, someone's to blame or something, you know, somebody uh, in America's to blame or whatever. I, I, I wanted to get information and I wanted to give the information to whoever's listening uh, so they can do with that information what they, they want. And, and again, I'm not. Look, I, I, they they're very successful. Those men, you know, preaching to a very right wing 
uh, group of people and God bless them, whatever, they make uh, a lot of money. I just can't do it. I, I couldn't do that. Um, I, right. I can't fit a narrative. And I don't, you know, some people were saying, well, you know, like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be specific about those two shows, but somebody had called me um, who was, uh, who was friendly with a major news outlet. And, and, uh, and they said, you know, if, uh, what they want to hear you say is blank. And I, I said, well, why in the hell would I, would I say that? And he says, well, uh, you know, there's, you know, millions of people are going to hear you. Uh, a lot less people hear you. I said, yeah, but I can't, it, that's not true. I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, say that, or I, I don't believe that uh, to be true. And if that's, if that's true, it's, it's completely different than what I'm seeing here. It's just not, yes. it's not happening. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, by the way, I'm not saying, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say one thing. I'm not saying that Hannity's people said that or Tucker Carlson's people said uh, said that, but they, they clearly wanted a different narrative than, than what I would give. I didn't fit I didn't fit their audience is what it is. But go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. right. No, they're they're trying to keep people uh, believing their narrative, which is a pack of lies. Uh, and so you coming straight from the borders uh, uh, between Romania and and Poland and Ukraine and ha- having a- absolutely straight reporting, uh, they didn't want you to uh, to spill the beans because it would uh, disturb the lies that they've been to- telling telling their uh, their customers their faithful and. Uh, well, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I am proud of you for many uh, reasons, but uh, one of them is precisely that, that you didn't knuckle under and and do what Hannity uh, wanted you to do. Thank thank you very much. Yeah, and and again, I don't want to I, I I don't want to make it sound like they want they uh they were asking me to do this. They they clearly I didn't fit his show. He had me on on radio um, and it sounded like my wife said it sounded like I contradicted his opening statement, um, yeah. you know, like right away. And uh, and and I would, by the way, I would never. I, I and if I did, I apologize. Uh, I would have just avoided the uh, uh, the question um, rather than contradict my host or whatever. But I I, I didn't pick up on. And, and by the way, I was exhausted the whole time. Um, and and I just all I could all I could do is what I'm doing now. Just repeat what I saw. I can't, you know, I can't, That's right. somebody's, you know, into somebody's dialogue. And the person who called me to urge me to, uh, you know, try to try to fit in a little better. He, he wasn't, uh, he had nothing to do with Fox, but he was trying to tell me if you want to be, you know, uh, and, and he even said, um, you can get some special assignments uh, right now because they don't have anybody doing exactly what you're doing. And, and he was talking about different news outlets, you know, uh, you know, different right. news outlets than even Fox. And he said, but you got to kind of, uh, you got to kind of, uh, uh, you know, craft what you're saying a little differently. And I said, oh, forget it. I, I can't, I can't do anything like that. You know, I, right. not for, not for money, not for uh, uh, attention or fame or whatever. I, I simply can only, you know, report back what I'm, what I'm saying. I just, I can't, I'm not that type of person where I could just, you know, make up something just to, uh, just to, to get on a few more shows or whatever. I just don't want to do that. I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not selling books, you know, I'm not, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway. 
But again, and you know, yeah, I have all the respect in the world for whatever reporters are putting themselves on the line and and however they're reporting. But I, I hope everybody is is just being honest and and repeating back, uh, repeating to the audience of what they are seeing. Mm-hmm. Well, you told the truth about what you saw, and uh, uh, I I hope I would have the the backbone to do the same uh, if I were in your position. But uh, I, as I said already, I admire you for uh, for being straight with them and and refusing. Yeah, well, thank you. I I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I guess before we go, I mean, any anything else that I can answer, and I'll try to be brief about it. But I, I, I forget it. You wind me up. I'll never shut up uh, about it. And I, I <laughs> in my mind, and it's all just flowing out. And and I, it just yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, all, you know, it's just still there. Well, I can't think of anything uh, at the moment because uh, the picture you have drawn is very clear and. Uh, uh, very informative, uh, and uh, it, it just points out how how chaotic, how accidental. <laughs> uh, that there's no real system to this whole thing. It's uh, it's just like uh, traveling anywhere. You just cope with what you come across, and and war situation that is a whole lot more dangerous than it is normally. Uh, and you did. You did an admirable job of it. So, so um, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for letting me letting me spout off here, and uh, and hopefully. Well, absolutely, because you're the, you're the one that's full of information, and and it's good for good for your audience, our audience, that uh, uh, that you were able to uh, to tell us about it. Well, Doc, thank you very much, and. Uh, and thank you all for listening. And, uh, again, uh, we know you have a lot of choices. You can hear uh, the Florence Weinberg Show on 124 different outlets and growing. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on the Florence Weinberg Show.